0: The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. All ideas expressed are opinions and property of host Dr. Dori Lynn or the Center for Relationships, Sexuality, and Spirituality, LLC. It's time for Mindful Matters. Love, Sex, Spirit. Your host is Dr. Dory Lynn. Agent Experience are an asset. And Dr. Dory has put together experience, stories, some great guests, and connections with you, front and center, for a fun-filled adventure. We invite your participation as well. Now, here is Dr. Dory Lynn.
1: This is Dr. Dory Lynn, and for those of you who are used to listening, you know that I have been privileged with some outstanding guests, and today is no exception. I have with me uh, two medical physicians, MDs, who work together and who are very well known. One is Dr. James Simon, and I don't often get to introduce somebody quite like this. Dr. Simon's been in practice forever and ever and ever. He's not that old, but he has been a leader in women's health and discussing women's issues that very few endocrinologists, gynecologists, and uh, people who work specifically with women ever do. He is also the head of the... um, of the American Society. Dr. Simon, what have you been elected to? I just, aren't you the president of the American so The so-
2: International right. Society for the Study of Women's Sexual
1: Health. Thank you. I, that little piece of paper just disappeared as I was talking to you. So thank you. You also have recently been written up, in Washingtonian Magazine, where they called you the menopause whisperer. And I'd like to describe that a little bit, but I'd also like to introduce Dr. Rachel Rubin, who is your colleague, and I know she's outstanding because you wouldn't have anyone else. Dr. Rubin, please introduce yourself.
3: So I'm Dr. Rachel Rubin. I'm a urologist, whereas Dr. Simon is a gynecologist. And my specialty and fellowship training is in sexual medicine. So I see men and women with complex sexual dysfunction. Uh, And I work very closely with therapists and physical therapists and whoever I need to work with to get my patients a better quality of life.
1: Uh, Well, welcome and welcome to the practice as well. The practice is now known as Intim, Intimid Medicine? Yep. um,
2: We are are the Intim Medicine Specialists.
1: Well, you are. I knew Dr. Simon when I lived in Washington, D.C. We had the privilege of doing some work together, and I would refer any complex case to him and to them. And there's a reason. It's because the whole practice treats women differently. And you really value women and you ask questions that very few professionals do. Would you please tell me and tell our listeners more about your whole attitude toward how you feel women have not been given a fair share and a fair shake in medicine today?
2: Well, I think that's uh, absolutely correct. Um, Some of this has uh, just been leveled upon those of us in practice after many, many years of neglect. I think Dr. Rubin and I both agree very strongly that uh, the health system has neglected women's sexual health to a significant degree and specifically because of my work in developing new drugs and devices for women's sexual health, I can tell you with that, with great certainty that we're way behind the eight ball in terms of developing uh, drugs, devices, and knowledge for women's sexual health compared to that that we have at our fingertips with long experience, in fact, uh, as it relates to men's health. And we here at Medicine Specialists are trying to shift the balance, but it is a clear uphill battle.
1: It absolutely is, and I uh, agree with you totally. And one of the reasons I wanted both of you and invited both of you on the show at this particular time, is I know that for years, people have been looking for the equivalent of female Viagra, and recently the FDA has approved uh, Addy and Vilesi, those are the simple brand names, and I was wondering if you would talk a little bit, either of you, about What do you think about that? I will offer my own opinion, by the way. What do you think about that and how you think it may or may not change how women uh, experience sexual pleasure? I know there are many other issues related to women. And if you think it's a good idea or not, I'm putting you right on the spot.
2: So why don't I let Dr. Rubin talk about flabanserin or Addy and I'll talk about Vilezi uh, or Bremelanotide. Would that be okay?
1: Wonderful. Joel.
3: So I think the the bigger conversation is you asked about female Viagra. I'm a urologist. Viagra came out about 20 years ago, and it changed the game of sexual medicine. Uh, we now had a pill that we could give men that would give them heart erections. What it does is it relaxes the penis muscle, allow blood to flow through it, and gives men hard erections. And It works really well in about 80% of people who take it. Now, there are side effects as well, um, but basically, we want that equivalent for women, but women don't um, necessarily require an erection. They do have erectile tissue in their clitoris, but typically women complain more of low libido or hypoactive sexual desire disorder. And so it's not exactly an equivalent. These medications for low libido are by no means Viagra. It is not a blood flow muscle relaxation uh, mechanism. The way uh, we think about low desire is the idea of interest. Did you, lo- did you have interest in sex? Thoughts? fantasies, desire, and is it now lower? Now, this is a medical problem when you can rule out relationship issues, when you can rule out medical problems, and you have a woman who says, I once had desire, now I do not have desire, and I would, wa- I want to want. I want desire back. And the way these new medications work is they work on the brain, just like an antidepressant works on the brain. Um, these medications as well, the idea being that if we can increase the pro-sexual experience excitatory factors like norepinephrine and dopamine, can we improve libido? And the first medication that was approved was highly controversial. It was called flibanserin or ADI. It was studied in 11, more than 11,000 women for many years, and it was rejected by the FDA a number of times for saying that it wasn't effective enough. Because when women take these medications, they don't have more sex. They don't become, you know, sex crazed. What happens is, is they go from having no desire, from having mercy sex, where they have sex about twice a month, um, and they never want sex, to having those I like same that numbers term, not,
1: Dr. Rubin. I like that term. De- I used to sex, call, we also it-
3: call it... Do, Duty sex, and Dr. Simon can speak more of that. But but the drugs, the, instead of two and a half times a month of having duty sex, so those times a month that you were having sex, it was more enjoyable. You had pleasure, you had excitement, um, and that's where the medications work. Um, and so uh, flibanserin works. Uh, you take it every day, every night at bedtime. Side effects include you could have dizziness or lightheadedness, which is why you take it at bedtime, and it can make sleeping. It can make you sleepy, which a of women enjoy that uh, side effect because they get uh, better sleep. And if you take it every night at bedtime, it works in about 60% of people who take it, just like antidepressants. They don't work for everybody. And if after two months it doesn't work for you, it's okay to stop it. Now, the it's a controversial medication because the FDA makes me have you sign a piece of paper that says you can't have alcohol with the medication within two hours of taking it. Now, this drug is approved in Canada with no alcohol warning. But because of that, me making you sign a piece of paper with alcohol, many doctors have been uh, hesitant to prescribe it, and many patients have been hesitant to take it. And so um, we've been working uh, with the FDA to, to, to look at that um, alcohol warning as well. But that's, that's how phlobanserin uh, or ADDI works.
1: Before I wade in, uh, Dr. Simon, would you talk about the latest FDA-approved, please?
2: Sure. Um um is a relatively old product <coughs> that was originally developed for erectile dysfunction in men because it does both of what Dr. Rubin was talking about. It increases the desire for sex, that brain effect, and it also improves Erectile function, and it was developed originally for men, but because the formulation that was developed for men had some side effects, and because of the advent of uh, Viagra, which was just a pill you took um, uh, right before having sex, the company that was developing it found that there was very little interest in bringing it forward for men. And it wasn't until it was reformulated from a nasal spray to a miniature subcutaneous injection, it has to be a little teeny pinprick injection, that it became acceptable to women, and it works, as I mentioned, both on desire, as does um, flibanserin or Addy, and it has as well the effects that Viagra levitra cialis does on the peripheral tissue, the clitoris and vulva and vagina, in terms of lubrication and clitoral engorgement, tingling, and arousal. So that's the, the, the real story here. They're, they've never been compared in terms of their efficacy. Uh, one is taken as Dr. Rubin said every single night at bedtime. The um, bremelanotide or vilezi is taken as desired right before sex or about an hour before sexual activity, and they will each of them will appeal to different women based on those uh, their normal sexual practices or their normal. Uh, sexual interactions, and they both work. They um, increase um, sexual desire, and in the case of Addy, there's an increase in the number of sexual events in addition to the quality of the sexual events that both of them uh, have, as was mentioned by Dr. Rubin.
1: So do you prescribe... Both of these, both of
2: you. Yeah, and I you? do, and Dr. Rubin. Well, well, we don't
1: is, we don't uh, prescribe
3: Vilesi yet because the FDA just approved it a week ago on Friday, and it's not yet available. But Dr. Simon, uh, before I joined practice with him, did quite a number of the clinical trials, so he has experience uh, from the clinical trials.
1: One right. of um, one of my concerns as. A sexual woman, as an older woman, um, as a woman, as an older woman who is is still sexual, which is a more appropriate way to say it, and who has never taken either of these pills. One of the concerns I have, Dr. Rubna, I'll, I'll you know relate this to you, is that it seems to me that research, has been very oriented, singularly oriented, to men, with few exceptions, people like you and, and Dr. Simon, and that women have been, their help has been stumbled upon, as has happened with ADI, which is basically an antidepressant with many, many side effects, possibly. So it seems to me that while there are many benefits, women have really gotten the short end of the stick because they they are treated as, in research, as a second-class citizen. And they're basically, as with Addy, taking a an antidepressant that, lo and behold, we found out for 60%, as you said, uh, also has beneficial side effects but they have to take it every single day. This does not seem right to me.
3: So um, I couldn't agree with you more that we have a long way to go to help women, especially when it comes to women's sexual health. We have a long way to go as practitioners in uh, empowering our women to uh, uh, have pleasure. Um, I'll ask you, as an older sexual woman, as you describe yourself, has a doctor, and you've seen doctors for a number of years, has a doctor ever asked you if you could have an orgasm?
1: I don't think. A doctor has ever asked me, because as Dr. Simon can attest, I'm pretty verbal about my orgasms. um... (laughs) Fantastic. But I I ask all of my
3: female patients uh, who I see and ask my male patients if their partners can have an orgasm. We never routinely ask women if they can have an orgasm. We don't routinely ask women about their libidos. Sometimes we ask if sex is painful, but that definition of sex becomes penetration. And it's really the penetration that becomes the important uh, point. But as we know, less than 17% of women can even orgasm from penetration. So yes, Women have a long way to go in terms of research, in terms of getting research dollars, and in terms of us understanding everything there is to know about women's sexual health. That being said, there is also, not only is there a bias in the research, but there is a bias in the media. So if you look at the negative press that flabanserin got, the uh, big fear that everyone put out there with how dangerous this drug was. Nobody died. Nobody got cancer. Nobody went blind, which again, I can't say is true with Viagra. You know, Viagra can cause incredibly low blood pressure if you take it with nitrates for chest pain. It can cause blindness. It can cause, there are many, many serious and very scary yes, there effects are. Viagra. Yes, there Viagra. All medications have side effects. There's a common antidepressant that we always we used quite often. I don't know if you've heard of um, bupropion or Welbutrin. Uh, yes, it's an incredibly great antidepressant that's quite pro-sexual. Why? Because it improves norepinephrine and dopamine. And the side effects of plebanserin are almost no different. And whereas your primary care doctor often will prescribe bupropion, um, it is a very special, special doctor who can prescribe um, mostly because of the stigma around women's sexual health. And so I argue with you in this fear that it is so dangerous uh, that we shouldn't subject women uh, to this medication. When I tell a woman, if you take phlebancerin, and it might make you a little dizzy or lightheaded, it might make you sleepy. Most of my patients had get horrible sleep and they actually enjoy that side effect. There's a horrible side effect with siblancern as well that you can lose a little bit of weight which my patients hate. Um, and, and so this idea that it has horrible dangerous side effects I just don't see that data and I don't see it clinically in my practice. Okay. Um, certainly I, have there is, certainly 40%. I have I have
1: more questions to ask you yeah. but uh, we we do have to take a break. This is Dr. Dore at Mindful Matters. We're on Love, sex, spirit, very intertwined. Uh, talking to Dr. Rachel Rubin, Dr. James Simon. And if you have any questions, you can call 1 346 9141. And we'll be back in just a minute to, to continue this conversation. Thank you. <laughs>
4: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America.
0: Dr. Dory Lynn's latest book, Sex for Grownups, reveals the truths, lies, and must tries for great sex after 50. Now published by Simon and Schuster, this book shows that no matter the age, sex can be a wonderful experience. But there are efforts that need to be taken. Read the book, try some of the suggestions, and live a happier life with better sex. Right now, for a limited time, mention Voice America and get twenty percent off the book when you email Dr. Dory at drdory.com. That's D-R-D-O-R-R-E-E at drdory.com.
1: Tune in to Lead Up For Women.
4: It's time to become the best version of you. Listen to The James Dentley Show, Fridays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on Voice America Empowerment.
0: You are listening to Mindful Matters, Love, Sex, Spirit, with Dr. Dory Lynn. We want to hear from you today at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to Dory drdori at com. Now, back to Mindful Matters, Love, Sex, Spirit. Dr.
1: Dory here on Love, Sex, Spirit with my two outstanding guests, Dr. James Simon and Dr. Rachel Rubin. And one of them is going to be kicked off temporarily because we have a caller by the name of Judy who has a question. Judy, who who is, who is your question for? My question is for both Dr. Rubin and Dr.
3: Simon. And it's Uh, how do they evaluate the psychological and the relationship issues when uh, deciding about prescribing?
1: Dr. Simon, Dr. Rubin, can you answer?
2: Uh, I can start out. First of all, um, women who have problems in their relationships are, unless they came after or as a result of the woman's very low or absent sexual desire. And by the way, it's not just, I'm not interested tonight or I'm not interested tomorrow. They have to have no desire whatsoever, have no response whatsoever for six months or more. That's the definition. So it's a much more select group than the audience would likely think but we ask if there are um, relationship issues. We ask if there are pain issues. We check to make sure that there is no um, medication that might have been associated with the cause of these, this problem or sexual trauma. These are all exclusionary for the prescription of either of these medications. And so someone who has a history of trauma or a relationship problem, they are uh, referred for uh, couples counseling or psychotherapy, um, and they're not candidates for these medications. But there are plenty of women who are candidates who experience that their interest in sex for reasons they don't even know and can't put their fingers on, their interest just turned off one day. It had to be normal and their sexual function had to be normal in the past, and then all of a sudden it just went away. They, if they don't have any relationship pain or other medication or disorder, diseases that were uh, causative here, they may be, uh, uh, benefit from either of these two medications.
1: Thank you, Dr. Okay. Simon. Go on, Judy.
3: That's very helpful, and I appreciate that. That that's a very good answer.
1: Unfortunately, very few professionals take the time that Dr. Simon and Dr. Rubin do to be so inclusive and to ponder these issues, and to be willing to call in other professionals uh, if they think. They're needed. So these are two unique people uh, who think about health, women's health. And one thing I believe you do is if there is an issue, you often call in the the spouse or the significant other to get a sense of what the relationship is like. Am I correct?
3: So... I'll take you one step further. I'm a urologist, and I see men and women, and it is not uncommon for me to have both both ends of the couple, whether it's two men, two women, or a man and a woman, as my patients. Because again, if I give Viagra, and we solve an erectile dysfunction issue, but I have a female who has uh, uh, pain or low libido or um, orgasm problems, then I'm actually hurting the couple. And so I take it very seriously to get to know about the relationship issues and any couple problems. And because uh, I can see men and women, we can really um, uh, treat it uh, in that in that way. And I work, I know every sex therapist in town, every pelvic floor physical therapist in town, and I get my, I work very closely with them so that I can get people their maximal quality of life teams. I really believe in multidisciplinary care. I cannot do this without those mental health professionals um, or pelvic floor physical therapy professionals.
1: So, uh, that that is one of the reasons I adore both of you, even though I have not met you personally, Dr. Rubin. So, one of the things you need to do, of course, is spend time with your patients. So, you do you take insurance, or do you? Uh, because you can't do this in a twenty-minute or in a five-minute insurance-based model. You have to do this in a, I would call a patient-oriented caring model. Uh, how do you? How do you get around that? How do you work with it?
2: So, so I'll I'll jump in here, and I think it's very important for all of your listeners to appreciate that sometimes finding specialists and engaging in very complex uh, discussions not only takes time and takes special uh, training, but may not be covered by insurance. It's not only that we, Dr. Rubin and I, don't take insurance, most insurance will not pay for most of what we do anyway. So, uh, and and the other piece to to your point, uh, Doctor Dory, is that you can't build a relationship in eight minutes. Eight minutes is the insurance benchmark amount of time for the physician gynecologist interaction. And you can't get anything done in eight minutes. In fact, I can barely get patients out of their clothes in eight minutes. So it's really impossible to do a good job uh, in a short time to involve the specialists, the partners, the other individuals who need to be brought to bear because these relationship issues are complicated The medical issues are complicated, and the treatments, while sometimes they're simple, can often be complicated and require multiple professionals to be involved. Can't do it in eight minutes. Can't do it in ten minutes. And so we typically have much longer visits, new patients, an hour, an hour and a half, in order to explore all of the potential interactions and to make a comprehensive plan to go forward.
1: I couldn't agree with you more. And as you know, as a psychologist of, what, 40 or 50 years practice, it's hard for me to think how long it's been. And as head of a training institute and as an educator, uh, I actually mostly stopped using insurance because I couldn't understand, uh, and I would explain this from the very beginning, I couldn't understand how I was supposed to help someone in the allotted one session, two sessions, or sometimes even eight sessions when they could barely get out what their issues were in a few minutes. I had to get to know them well enough to know whether or not to refer to you, or someone else, is a as a team because I am team oriented, as you know, and I think that's the way medicine has to go in the future. Um, I. What do you think? Many issues start around menopause or perimenopause, and sadly, we're not educating women or men, but particularly women, to know their bodies well enough to understand what's happened. And this happens too, of course, with men, but over a longer period of time. And all they know is frequently they've had desire, they've had libido, and then they don't. And they don't realize it is frequently a hormone issue. How do you deal with that?
3: So I'll Dr. start, Ruben. and uh, Dr. Simon is the menopause sure. whisperer, and I am so uh, he is a huge mentor to me in terms of understanding and learning about hormones and how they affect uh, mood, libido, vulvar health, uh, bladder health, um, everything. You're, everything needs hormones. When you have healthy hormones, when you're in your young um, reproductive years, you don't have backaches, you don't have arthritis, you don't have osteoporosis, you don't have de- much depression and anxiety. And you now I said much. Um, you're you're don't often have pelvic pain. Um, hormones matter. Hormones affect our bones, our brains, our hearts, our skin um, for my male patients and my female patients. And we do a lot in this country to play around with hormones. When you play around with hormones, you, um, there are consequences. So when you take birth control pills, um, sometimes there are hormonal changes that can cause things like low libido or uh, sexual pain. Um, there are a higher incidence of needing to take an antidepressant. if you've had a history of birth control pill usage. Not to say that birth control pill is all bad or affects everybody that way, but when you play around with hormones, there are sometimes consequences. So similarly, when menopause happens, and I firmly believe menopause has the worst PR campaign in the history of the world, because everyone thinks it's just hot flashes and night sweats. And if you're lucky enough not to have those or if they go away, then you survived menopause. And that's just not fair, because what menopause is, is that the ovaries no longer produce the estrogens and the androgens that the body needs in order to be healthy so you develop osteoporosis You can get dementia. You can get um, vaginal, what we call genitourinary syndrome of menopause, or the vulva and vagina can start to uh, sort of melt away. I tell you, if that happens, we would have vaccines to help things by now. Um, But it is normal to develop dryness and pain and urinary tract infections because the vulva doesn't have the proper hormones that it needs in order to regulate and be healthy.
1: So do you... Prescribe hormones, and what do you think, if you do prescribe them, what do you think of the similarities or differences and safety of bioidentical versus standard synthetic hormones?
2: So I'll jump in on that. So first, first of all, most of the research that has been done on hormones in menopause was actually performed on Premarin, which would not be considered bioidentical. So we have a tremendous amount of research uh, in this country on on North American women related to their use uh, of Premarin or studies about Premarin. And the Women's Health Initiative, which was a multi-billion dollar, very, very broad and important study uh, utilized uh, Premarin uh, or Prempro, which is uh, its first cousin, in assessing benefits and risks of hormone therapy. And most of your audience probably heard that hormones were dangerous, and those pronouncements came uh, almost exclusively from the results of the Women's Health Initiative You're asking a somewhat different question about bioidentical hormones, which have been studied much less vigorously and literally only by the European Union where those types of hormones were first uh, to market and gobbled up at least 50% of the use in France, Belgium, et cetera. As a result, we either infer on American women what we know from Europe, or we infer from one hormone type onto others what may or may not be actually true. And so there's been a lot of discussion, concern, um, call for additional research to kind of straighten that out. However, I think since most of us in the U.S. are, at least if we're white, our European ancestors, we have much of the same genetic makeup of people in Europe. And the, it's not too big a stretch to stretch from what we know about European women and non-oral bioidentical hormones to American women, even if we're talking about an African-American woman or an Asian woman or a Native American woman. um, and, And it seems like that stretch, if you will, is not that big. And that the risks that we have seen from Western Europe are significantly less than the risks we saw in the Women's Health Initiative And hopefully that turns out to be the case because it's very clear that there are too many women who are afraid to use hormone therapy of any kind and they actually suffer as a result. Suffer in terms of their sexuality, suffer in terms of pain, suffer in terms of osteoporosis and risk of fracture, suffer in terms of an increased risk of heart disease and to some degree senile dementia. And all of that sounds terrible, but there's good data to suggest that young menopausal women within a few years, let's say six of their last menstrual period, largely benefit from using hormones uh, as opposed to have detriment and risk from using hormones.
1: I, uh, I agree with you. And as you know, uh, my last book, I'm working on my fourth now, but my last book was Sex for Grownups. And some of the research, which is a little bit outdated, that I've discovered, and I was surprised when I finished the book that I had read about 60 other books and hundreds of articles from Harvard, Mayo Clinic, Europe, et cetera, and so forth. Some of the things that seem to keep people sexually alive. And I do believe that unlike the milk bottle, sex has no expiration date. And what are those things cross-culturally? The first is use it or lose it. Well, if you have pain, you're not going to want to have intercourse. So it's a bit of a circular uh argument or, or logic, but if you continue to have intercourse in a loving relationship, your chances of uh atrophy and of not having a uh, good sexual relationship are less. The other the single most important factor that I found across all cultures was move it or use it, move it or lose it. Meaning we are a very sedentary society. Food of course is an issue and how we eat is an issue, but people in our society don't move. I have personally, I have no statistics to to prove this. Uh, I'm a tiny little woman who has maintained being a small woman um not tiny but pretty small uh, i believe that a lot of my good health is due to 40 years of yoga which i call my chill pill and no matter how i feel that is where i will go first thing in the morning. Uh, And in Europe and other societies and societies that are known as the blue planet and the blue zone and the, and the societies that live longer, all of them have sexual, uh, connections until they die practically. And they all move well. They also eat similar diets, but, uh, we in America seem prone to hurting ourselves just by our lifestyle, and that's my my edging in on this discussion. I am a believer, by the way, in bioidentical hormones. Uh, I was not for many years. I was as nervous about hormones as everybody else, rightly so, because when I went through menopause, the... Um, the hormone dose was exceedingly high. And I come from a carcinogenically ridden family. So I was very, very careful. But uh, I do believe in uh, appropriate doses. And I do believe, by if one can, bioidenticals are better than standard. Uh, and I do know the results of the Women Health Initiative. That's my add-in. Let me just remind people we're on Mindful Matters at 1888 346 9141. We're talking with Dr. James Simon, the uh, an esteemed researcher, hundreds of papers, an esteemed human being, a wonderful Doctor and Dr. Rachel Rubin, his colleague and a urologist who sees men, women, trans, and others, and will be back in about 30 seconds. So please be with us. Remember, you can call 1 888 346 9141.
4: Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Empowerment.
0: Dr. Dori Lynn's latest book, Sex for Grownups, reveals the truths, lies, and must-tries for great sex after 50. Now published by Simon & Schuster, this book shows that no matter the age, sex can be a wonderful experience. But there are efforts that need to be taken. Read the book, try some of the suggestions, and live a happier life with better sex. Right now, for a limited time, mention Voice America and get 20% off the book when you email Dr. Dory at drdory.com. That's D R D O R R E E at drdory.com. You are listening to Mindful Matters Love, Sex, Spirit with Dr. Dory Lynn. We want to hear from you today at 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. Or send an email to drdory at drdory.com. Now back to Mindful Matters Love, Sex, Spirit.
1: Dr. Dory with Mindful Matters Love, Sex, Spirit, and it's called love, sex, spirit, because I believe they are all intertwined. If one has love, one usually has sex. If one has good sex, one usually has love. And certainly one has a spiritual orientation that does not have to be religious. It has to do with how one feels in the world. So the there's an intertwining, and I do believe the more mindful we are about all of these issues, the better we can age and live our life at every stage, actually. Dr. Rubin, you deal with men. You're a urologist. You deal with men, women, I believe, homosexual, trans. Would you like to add some of your views about uh, how sex and sexual issues are not really only a woman's issue, although we tend to list it as such. Sadly, so. Dr. Rubin, male patient,
3: can you hear me? I can. Can you hear me now? So I, I think it's really important point that I see about fifty. Percent of men in my practice, 50 percent women in my practice, and uh, they have just as many sexual problems as my female patients. We all like to think of that uh, men are an on-off switch, right? They're just they look at a person and they can get an erection and they can have great sex, and it's on or it's off. And it's just not true. Men have libido problems. Men have orgasm problems. Men have erectile dysfunction issues. Uh, men can have all sorts of uh, sexual problems, uh, medications, m- uh, medical problems that can affect their sexual health. And we don't spend a lot of time talking about sexual health for either male patients or female patients. Nobody taught us in middle school sex ed about how to talk about sex. Nobody really taught me in medical school about how to talk about sex other than, you know, don't get pregnant, don't get an STD, this is how to be safe about it. And so sexual well-being and, and a good sexual quality of life, um, I had to go to fellowship training for and really uh, uh, get an expertise on it because doctors and, and people just aren't really that good at talking about it. And so I'm very grateful for your show because you're bringing it into the mainstream. You're allowing people to hear about sex and make it normal. 60% of 60- 60-year-olds have erectile dysfunction, diabetes, high blood pressure, obesity, all of those things uh, can contribute to erectile problems and uh, general health. So if you have a problem with getting an erection, it could be a sign that there's a problem with your heart because the arteries to the penis and the arteries to the heart um, can become clogged uh, with uh, uh, poor lifestyle choices and, um, and and genetic problems. And so we spend a lot of time trying to um, look at uh, medical histories, understanding people in the context of other medical problems, and allowing them and giving them treatments to help with their best quality of life and to improve in their sexual function.
1: Can you give me an example, please? Can, does a particular well, example come to mind? Well, an or I can give you I, one if you'd like, but go on. Say that again? If you don't have one handy, I'll give you one. Sure, you give me an example. Uh, I used this once because it was so striking to me and so striking about how important it is, one, to educate the the, the patient. I don't even like using the word patient. I think we're all collaborators in health. Uh, But I had a gentleman who uh, had lost his wife and had many illnesses and hadn't had intercourse in quite a while. And then he met somebody and he was impotent. And his urologist, uh, I believe quite Arrogantly, I have a strong opinion about it, kept giving him one pill after another and nothing worked. And I finally said to him, I don't know what is wrong, but I can tell you that what treatment you are getting is wrong. I suggest that you keep searching until you find someone who can really help you. And people are afraid to do this. Long story short, he went to the Mayo Clinic. Within 10 minutes, they diagnosed a um, leak. So no pill in the world was going to uh, help him. He needed some surgery, and in his case, he chose to have a penile implant and Near as I know, he's quite a happy man.
3: I bet. They have very high satisfaction rates, and it's a very good point. I believe in not just throwing pills at people, whether they're for female low libido pills or erectile pills. You have to get to know your patient. You have to give them a diagnosis. People deserve that. They deserve to be treated as whole individuals, and they deserve customized care that works for them because I tell you, if a patient, if a couple comes in to see me and she has pain and I fix the erections, I'm actually hurting them as a couple. And So I have to get understand what their um, what their goals are, what they want, um, and I work with a multidisciplinary team in order to do that.
1: I think both you and Dr. Simon are rare birds in this profession, and I only wish more people would have your orientation because it is a multidiscipline issue, and. I think that very too many patients either don't know, get depressed, give up, and are afraid to keep seeking help because they're afraid somebody's going to say they're crazy or just hand them pills and not talk to them and say, uh, tell me more about you and let's see if we can parse this out and see whether it's physical Physiological, psychological, diet, lifestyle, or a combination of multiple, multiple things. So I can't applaud both of you enough for your um, for your approach. You are located in Washington, D.C., and the name of your practice is? Intim
2: getting- Medicine Specialist.
1: And you're on 18th Street, 1800?
2: We're on the corner of 19th Street and M Street, right. about five or six blocks from the White House.
1: Right. I remember the building well, Dr. Simon, and your staff. Um, I, I do want to say, you're, one of the things that you do and you're not afraid to do and is discuss uh, sexual aids and toys and almost anything that can help someone have pleasure, whether they're by themselves or with a partner. They don't have to run out and have a partner immediately. Maybe they've been widowed or divorced and they're not ready for a partnership There is no reason they can't pleasure themselves. And you're an expert on helping people know that there are tools, toys out there that can help them. Correct?
2: Absolutely. And we um, actually sell a number of those um, aids from here in the office where the average patient may have significant apprehension about going on the Internet or going into a retail store to buy any of these, fearing as it relates to the internet getting targeted for pornography or other types of unsolicited uh, mail. And in the retail setting, they may have um, some concerns about uh, checking in, checking out, concerns about what the right thing for them is. And both Dr. Rubin and I have lots of experience uh, in this arena.
1: Well, we only have a few seconds left. Remember, this is Dr. Dare at Mindful Matters, Love, Sex, Spirit. You can call 1-888-346-9141. You can find Dr. Rubin and Dr. Simon in Washington, D.C. And if you have any questions, you can always call or write me and you can find me at drdare.com. Thank you so much, both of you, for helping spread sexual education as wonderfully as you do. It's been a pleasure having you.
3: Thank you for having us.
0: Thank you for being a part of our show. Mindful Matters, Love, Sex, Spirit can be heard live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Be sure to join Dr. Dory Lane for another exciting show next week.